Parashat Bereshit, we're at the beginning of a new cycle, having um, finished Vizot HaBracha, and actually I'm going to jump three chapters. We're not ch- starting chapter one, which is sort of the automatic spot where people start when they're learning Bereshit, but I think that the, the narrative which I've chosen for today is such a fascinating narrative, and it's so important. And we've got such preconceptions and misconceptions about it, and they're based on Chazal, so I'm not going to suggest that they're wrong, but I think that it's important to look, look at the Psukim. In fact, I'm going to ask you to take, I know I've reproduced the Psukim there, I'm going to ask you to take the Chumash, because the translations are interesting. You'll, you'll see the Psukim here, which, yes, we translate them, but actually they are beyond translation. So we'll, we'll take Rabbi Art Scroll and see if he can help us. Uh, um, I'm afraid, I'm, I'm almost certain that he can't, but nevertheless, Rabbi Artscroll is, is an old friend, so we like to uh, do what we can for him. <laughs> well, we, we generically refer to whoever's involved in Artscroll as Rabbi Artscroll, in every context. Okay, so it begins curiously, because actually the story's about something else completely, but it begins curiously um, with the birth of Cain. Okay? So we're on page 18. yada et chava. That's already an interesting way of expressing. Adam, Not Adam. Not, or not Adam, Adam, The man. Yada et chava ishto. Had relations with his wife chava. Vatahar, she became pregnant. Vateledet Kain, she gave birth to Kain. Vatomer, Kaniti Ish et Hashem. Kaniti Ish et Hashem. Which roughly translated means, Kaniti um, means I have, I have got, I have acquired. I see he translated as I've acquired a man, Ish, a man. So note that it's a different word. We haven't seen that word before. We've only had the word Adam until now, right? So, Kaniti Ish et Hashem. So, because of the Hebrew, maybe it's the wrong way around. But whatever, God has allowed me to acquire a son. Now, this is following in the tradition uh, that we see later on in Bereshit of uh, having a reason why a child is called a particular name. But usually it's the other way around. So, what happens is, that let's say when we talk about Rachel and Leah, that's the very familiar one, because each one of the Shavatim has a name. First they go into the reason why they're going to give the name, and then Shema, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. Here it's the other way round, and it doesn't say Al Shem Tikra, and therefore they called Al Kain Tikra Shema Yehuda. It says Vatelet et Kain. She gave birth, and his name was already Kain. And then it goes and says, That in itself is an anomaly. I'm not even sure we'll get to deal with that. But that's a strange way of expressing it. Now, something even stranger happens. No introduction, who he is, why he's called Havel. She also gave birth to his brother, Havel. That's it. Turn, it's already the next Pasuk. Also very, very strange. So Cain is worthy of a name and why he was given that name. And it involves the word Ish, which is a special word. It involves the word Hashem, which is a special uh, connotation. Havel nothing. He's, he's, the, just, he's the brother. And he's called Havel. We're going to get to that name in a minute. Strange name. Vayehi Hevel Ro'etzon. The Kayin Haya Oved Adama. And Hevel was a shepherd, and Kayin is um, somebody who works the land. Let me ask you a question. What is a better profession? Think about it. Don't think, no preconceptions here, people. What is better, to be a shepherd or to work the land? What's more important for humanity? Land. So, who's more important among these two brothers? Cain, Hevel's the shepherd. Cain is 
the land worker. We're already seeing that I've given you two ways that everything you know about Cain and Abel is not what you thought it was. Cain is the one who works the land. Hevel is the one who's the shepherd. By the way, that's even stranger. Why is he a shepherd in an era where people are vegetarians? That's what we're told. What's he doing as a shepherd? We'll continue. No, that's to do with the, that's that's no that's Hebrew. That's yes, that's Zikduk. Always at the end of a sentence, you change it to a to a kamatz. Havel is the end of the pasuk, and Hevel is the is the beginning. In any event, after a period of time, after some time, doesn't say when, just says after some time. Kayan brings a korban to God from the produce of the land. Who's the first one to bring the korban? Who's the first one to bring the korban? Kayan. Ah, so again, Kayan seems to be the primary figure in this story, not Hevel. The Hevel, Hevi, Gamhu. He also brought. So who was the innovator and who was the follower? Cain was the innovator. Hevel was just doing what the other guy did. And he brought it He brought it from the eldest of his sheep and from their fats. And God turned, that's what Rashi calls it, we're going to see, towards Hevel and towards his korban. And he didn't um, show any favor or turn towards Cain's korban. And Cain got very angry and very depressed. Two expressions. Now let me ask you a question. Based on everything we've read so far, if you were Cain, would you be happy? You're the oldest son. You're the one who's called the Ish because God, you were acquired to your mother by God. You're the one who works the land. You're the one who brought the first korban. And now your korban is being overlooked and ignored and marginalized in favor of your younger brother, who seems to be much more marginal than you. So would you say Cain has some grounds for depression and anger? I think so. Let's continue. But he didn't turn. Like Vaisha. You're going to see that Rashi says. Vaisha. It means he turned towards. And he didn't turn to Cain. It's a funny word. But I, yes. But it can mean this as well. Well, at least. And Rashi proves it from another text. I didn't put it in, the, in our sources. But if you look at Rashi. He says. Yishu. Al Yifnu, it says in Shemot. Okay, in another one, Vachin Sha'a Me'alav, in Eov. Pana Me'alav. Okay, so it's, it's uh, there's, this is what it means. So they had all had access to God. They're all prophets as well, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, we don't know about Hevel. We know nothing about Hevel. Hevel is a bit of a, a smoke and mirrors, he's always in the shadow of his brother. He never says a word. He never utters a word. He never speaks to God. He doesn't speak to his family. He only exists in the first few psukim of, of Perik Dalad, and then we never see him again. We only know about Cain. And what we know about Cain is that he was considered to be a great person, at least the way it's expressed to us, and he communicated with God. So he's a prophet. Well, not a prophet. Prophet's not the right word. Because a prophet is only somebody who prophesies for others. He doesn't. But he can communicate with God. Let's continue. So he notices both things. First of all, he notices that Cain is angry. And he also notices that Cain is depressed. And he says, first of all, why are you angry? And second of all, why are you depressed? Both of those things are of concern. Now we have a very, very strange pasuk. We're going to see how Rabbi Art Scroll translates it. Pasuk Zayin, 7. 
הלא אם תיטיב שאת ואם לא תיטיב לפתח חטאת רובץ. שורלי, אם תיטיב, it says if you improve yourself you will be forgiven. That's a bit of a stretch that translation. ואם לא תיטיב, and if you do not improve yourself, לפתח חטאת רובץ. חטאת in the feminine, is, um, sin is going to be waiting at your door. It's even more than waiting. It's almost like waiting to pounce. Rovet is a little stronger than waiting. And he's after you. What does he say? His des- its desire is toward you. And you take control of it. What exactly is God telling him? What is that, what is that about? He sees he's angry and he sees he's depressed and he starts talking about sin, waiting to pounce on him at the door and you better take control of it. What is this whole communication from God? A very, very odd thing for God to have said to him based on what we've seen so far. Let's go back to the Pesukim. Now he doesn't answer God. He almost as ignores him. God has said something to him. No response. Vayomer Kain el Hevel, Achiv. He says to Hevel, Achiv, well, is there any other Hevel? There doesn't seem to be any other Hevel in the text. It seems to be repetitious. Why is he calling him Achiv? We know Hevel's his brother. We, we learned that in, 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 in the earlier Psukim, whenever it was, Pasuk Bet, Pasuk Gimel. Anyway, Vayibiyotam Basader, and they were in the field. Well, who cares where they were? Why, why would you even want to know where they were? What difference does it make where they were? But in any event, what exactly did he say? Because look at this. What did he say? Doesn't report to us that he said anything. And the word Vayomer is a strange word. You know the word Vayomer is not like the word Vayidaber. Vayidaber means, and he spoke. Speaking just needs an audience, but it's not about communication, in, in like personal communication. Vayomer is always followed, and he said, And what he said, Vayomer, etc. And he said as follows, Vayedaber is something, a statement. You make a statement, it says Vayedaber. But it doesn't say anything. Vayiyot biyotom basadeh. They were in the field. Vayakam kaim al-hevel achiv, vayahargehu. Vayakam kaim al-hevel achiv, the word achiv, twice in the pasuk. He, he rose up on him. Well, not really on him, because what's the word for on in Hebrew? Al, what's the word El mean? Two. Two. That's a very strange word. What do you mean he rose up to his brother? What's that about? Vayahargehu, and he killed him. Now, Vayomer Hashem Elkain, E Hevel Achicha. Where is Hevel, your brother? Vayomer, and he said, now this time he responds to God, Lo Yodati, I don't know, Hashomer Achi Anochi, am I my brother's? Guardian, what is that communication about? First of all, why is God asking Cain where Hevel is? Surely he knows where he is. And what, is, what does he mean, lo yadati, I don't know? What does he mean he doesn't know? He's just spoken to him in the field. And why is he saying, hashomer achi anochi? Is that what God asked him? God didn't ask him, are you your brother's guard? Or are you your brother's keeper? As it's translated in the King James Version. What is this whole communication about? How strange is this text in the context of the story that you know? You never looked at the text this way before. There's so many questions. By Yomer, and now he continues, God continues. Me'asita, what did you do? Kol demei achicha tzo'akim elai min ha'dama, in the plural. The voice of the blood of your brother is calling out to me. The bloods of your brother is calling out to me in the plural. Min ha'adama from the earth. What, what has the earth got to do with anything? Va'ata now. Arur ata min ha'adama. You are cursed from the earth. Great irony. The man who works the earth is now cursed from the earth. Asher patzda et piha. That opens its mouth. Lakachat et dmei achicha miyadecha. And took... The bloods of your brother from your hand. 
כי תעבוד את האדמה לא, לא תוסף, תת כוחה, לך נא ונד תהיה בארץ. When you work the ground, it shall no longer give its strength to you. You shall become a wanderer. Navanad, on earth. Let me ask you a question. He's a murderer, right? What is the punishment for murder? Execution, capital punishment. What is this Navanad, Why would you become a wanderer? How exactly is that retribution for his crime? Oh, that's a very good one. Cecile, you're cleverer than me. <laughs> Ari McLeod? What, but what does that tell you about the murder? Accident. It was an accident. Oh. oh, that's quite a different thing. It was an accident. It wasn't, it wasn't done on purpose. But he didn't even know what that's Even if he knew. It may be that it was really an accident. Let's, but let's see. Let's, let's go further. I want, to get, I want to get through the whole thing. Vayomerkayin el Hashem. Gadol avoni minuso. My sin, the, sorry, the punishment for my sin is greater than the sin itself. What, what are you doing to me? Why? You've taken away my livelihood. I can no longer work the land. And from you, well, we didn't see that exactly. Didn't, see, didn't say anything about him not being having anything to do with God, but okay. I'm going to become a wanderer around the world. And if I've got no way of making a livelihood, and I've got no longer any, no longer any connection with the Almighty, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to die. You may say to yourselves, well, so what? Very good, but maybe that's exactly what God wants for him to be killed in the same way as he killed. But it seems that that's not what God wants. Anyone who kills Cain is going to be punished seven generations later or for seven generations. Either way, the person who's involved in the um, homicide of Cain will themselves be punished incredibly. And he gave Cain a sign, so that no one would smite him, would strike him down. And he left God and he um, lived in wherever he lived. And that's really the end of the narrative. It does go on till the end of the chapter, but it's, the, the, it becomes about the um, descendants of Adam. Would you say that this is an extremely strange episode? It makes no sense whatsoever. So what I've done is, because um, I want to be fair, I have I've, uh, culled together bits and pieces of Rashi, at least the first bits of Rashi in, in number two of my source sheet, um, simply to give you the classic understanding of this. It's not satisfying. And it's not satisfactory, but it's the classic understanding of the story of Cain and Abel. Who's Cain and who's Abel? So you look here in the title, I've put Cain equal bad, Abel equal good. That's the way we've always understood the story. We have a, um, we have a villain. The villain is Cain. We have a victim or a hero. The hero is Abel. And Cain is the killer and he's punished. Abel is the Nebuch. And he doesn't live happily ever after. Well, that doesn't really fit in with a Hollywood ending, does it? So that's a little strange in and of itself. Why would, why would the hero of the story get killed? That's very unusual. In any event, but let's go through Rashi, who's, who take, himself is culling from different chazals, from the Talmud, from the Midrash. And he's put together the story for us in the way that we were taught it when we went to Jewish day school or wherever we first heard this story. Ro'etzon. Why was Hevel a Roetzon, a shepherd? So in a previous chapter, we said that the earth is cursed. I'm not going to go into that now, but the earth was cursed. And as a result of that, I'm assuming what the Chazal are trying to say, say is because 
He didn't want to work cursed earth. He became a shepherd because that's not really working the earth. But that in itself is a little strange. It's not like he's not working the earth or he's not benefiting from the earth. First of all, his sheep graze. Where do they graze? From the ground. And the ground is the earth, which was cursed. And second of all, how does he eat? He doesn't only eat um, sheep's wool or sheep's milk. He's got to eat stuff. Well, where's he getting that stuff from? He has to get it from the earth. Who's working the earth? Ah, Mr. Kayin is working the earth. So he is by default involved with the cursed earth. So that is in itself not that satisfactory. But okay. Mipriha Adama. So now this is absolutely um, not evident in the Pasuk. If you look at Pasuk Gimel. So because I'm guessing it says from the fruit of the land or the produce of the land, it's not the best from the worst. Not very evident there. In fact, it seems quite the opposite. He brought um, an offering from the fruit of the land. Nobody asked him to do it. He was no, not compelled to do it. And yet, that's what he brought. Well, why shouldn't he? Where else is he going to bring it from? He's not a shepherd. He's obviously going to bring it from the fruit of the land. Immediately, Chazal are looking to pin bad stuff on him. He didn't bring good stuff. I'm guessing because God didn't turn his face towards him. We have to find... We have to excuse God in this situation, right? Why would God have turned to Hevel and not turned to Cain? Must be because he bought from, from the ugly fruit, not from the nice fruit. Let's move on. Rashi says, Vayisha, Vayifen, and he turned. Yarda esh velichka minchato. The um, a fire came down from heaven. Again, nothing, it's not in the Pasuk at all. It just says, Vayishashem el Hevel ve el It just says that God um, turned his face or turned towards. I guess Chazal wanted to tell you how we would know or how they would have known that he turned his face towards that particular offering. So, Aish fire came down from heaven and consumed his offering. Interesting. So, immediately Chazal have produced a narrative here. The narrative is that Hevel is a tzaddik and Cain um, is a rosha because he brings terrible fruit. He's a tzaddik because he doesn't work the cursed land. He's a rosha because he brings the worst of his produce as a, as a mincha. And God obviously favors the tzaddik over the rosha. That's the narrative here. So now going to Pasuk Zain, that very strange Pasuk about the sin hovering at the door. The sin seems to have you in mind. Well, that's not chatat. Yetzer hara is the evil inclination. Constantly is looking and desiring and wanting to lead you astray. Lachshilcha means to lead you astray. You've got to take control of it. So Rashi is trying to make sense of this pasuk. Um, and he's trying to say that God is warning Cain that something's going to go wrong unless you take control of your emotions. You're angry? Not a good emotion. You're depressed? Not a good emotion. Get control because those things lead to something bad. Almost as if God is predicting something's bad is going to happen unless... Unless you take control. If you want to, if you have the will, Rashi's adding something here. Take control of it. Take control of the thing that's wrong inside your emotion. Okay, so that's a little bit different to the, what the Pasuk says. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? That he's in a bad mood and God's telling him bad moods lead to bad stuff. So take control. So that's interesting. Why would God have warned him? God didn't say anything to Hevel. He said something to Cain. He obviously likes Cain, but that Rashi doesn't say. He didn't have to warn him, didn't have to warn him at all. Right it would seem that he until that stage, Hevel had done, I'm sorry, Cain had done nothing wrong. What had Cain done wrong? 
He'd it worked the land, he brought a mincha. Okay, Rashi says, quotes the Chazal, but certainly from the basic understanding, he'd done nothing wrong. He was in a bad mood. Who wouldn't be in a bad mood if you knew that God likes somebody else and not you? Okay, let's move on. He's very angry. He's very angry. But, he, okay, we're going to see. He has rights to be angry. Sometimes people have the right to be angry. If somebody steps on your toe, you have a right to be angry. If somebody slaps your kid around the face, you have a right to be angry. You could be very angry. It's not, it's not a... Now, if then somebody walks up to you and puts their arm around you and says, it doesn't have to be God, by the way, puts their arm around you and says, I know that person hit your, hit your son or your daughter. Don't overreact. Calm down. Think for a moment. When you're calm, deal with it. Don't deal with it now. That's perfectly normal as well. So people are entitled to their emotions. People are entitled to be upset. And then there's, you, you should be told, I'm guessing in a world where there's not a lot of other human beings, it has to be God who's going to tell you, calm down. That emotion is not an irrational emotion, but it's an emotion that can take control of you. So you take control of it. This is your challenge. Let's move on. So now Rashi's puzzled. What did, as I was, what did Cain say to Hevel? He went, um, or he began a conversation with him, an argumentative conversation, dispute. To get him angry, um, or to, I, I guess, no, to is means to kind of involve him in that. And then he was going to kill him. Premeditated murder. He does not say that in the Pasuk. That is Chazal. He doesn't say it in the Pasuk. Right? Look in the Pasuk. It doesn't say it. It says, In fact, it could have been on two different occasions. From the way the Pasuk is expressed, we don't even know it was on the same day. In any event, it's, uh, the word achiv is strange. Twice it says the word achiv. If you would have said the word achiv once, maybe you could have said it was ironic. You know, that he, he's talking, he killed his brother. How could he kill his brother? But that's not what it says it twice. He obviously spoke to him as a brother. As a brother. Let's move on in Rashi. I hevel achicha. Where is hevel your brother? Likanesimo bedivrei nachat. So again, a very strange question. So Rashi answers um, the, the question as to why God would have asked an obvious question. He says he wanted to begin the conversation in a nice way. He didn't want to say to him, you killed your brother. Where is your brother? Kind of sort of lead into the conversation. Ulai yashuv v'yomar ani harakti v'chatati lecha. Maybe he's going to respond by saying, I killed him and I did a sin against you. In other words, give him an opportunity for admission. Again, not a very satisfactory explanation. What do you mean? That God would ask like a weird question because he wants an answer? And it's not the answer he got. So what's that about? Loyo Dati says, Cain, um, um, I don't know where he is. Nasek gonev dat aliona. What do you mean you don't know where he is? Says Rashi, he's trying to uh, fool God by saying he doesn't know where he is. Somebody who communicates with God thinks they're going to fool God? What is, what's going on? Why would you even think that? Hashomer achi, lashon temahu. It's a, it's a question. Hashomer achi anochi? Now that's the way we always understand it. Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't a question. Maybe hashomer achi anochi is, is a statement. Maybe it's, I am my brother's keeper. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what I've done. I don't know where he is. What happened to him, God? How, how, did, he, how did he disappear like that? I'm, I'm my, but how would he think he's his brother's guardian? Where's that coming from? So we're going to see an alternative. He has a lot of children and descendants that could have been born from him. So it's not just his blood that's calling out to me. It's their blood as well. What you've done has affected generations. This is a very interesting point. You know, it's, it's something that's important to think about. 
even though we're going to discover that there's an alternative narrative. Death is death. It doesn't matter how somebody dies. If somebody dies without children, and Hevel obviously wasn't married and didn't have children, you don't just kill them. You're killing everything about them. Every one of their children, grandchildren, great, all the potential of this person is gone. That's something which is conveyed right at the beginning of the Bible. Death is final if there's no continuity. So this is back to the homicide, the uh, premeditated homicide accusation. He stabbed him many times because he didn't know how to kill him. He's obviously not very, nobody ever killed anybody before. And therefore he stabbed him all over the place because he wanted to make sure that wherever, he, wherever it was that he could stab him, that would kill him, would, would have happened. Yes, that's the plural of dumb. Okay, Rashi goes on in this vein throughout, till the end, till uh, verse 16. I haven't continued. But again, I'm just going to go over the narrative according to Chazal and the traditional understanding of the narrative because I don't want to do you out of that. And then we're going to see if we can answer the many questions that that particular version generates. The narrative is... Two children are born to Chava. One is Cain, he works the land. One is Hevel, he's a shepherd. Cain brings a korban, but it's not a very nice one. As a result of which, God is not particularly interested in it. Hevel brings a korban, oh, it's a very nice one. It's the nice meat, it's the oldest one, it's the fats, whatever it is. And God really likes that one. And Cain becomes very jealous, very angry, very depressed. God tries to convince him not to do anything, but not very successfully. And nevertheless, Cain goes, engages in an argument with his brother, which leads to him rising up against him and killing him. After which, God says, well, what have you done? He doesn't even admit it. So God punishes him and he becomes um, a vagrant wanderer around the world. He can't work the land anymore, and, but he's a little frightened of being killed. And therefore, God makes a mark to make sure that no one should ever kill him. And in fact, it's a warning to anybody who kills Cain that they're going to be themselves punished for seven generations or in the seventh generation. It just doesn't make sense. It all doesn't add up, does it? I mean, I, I, there's so many questions on the narrative, but it just doesn't add up. What do you mean? Why would Cain have been the one who's named um, because God, uh, he was acquired by Chava? Um, uh, in, in the name of God as an Ish Hevel I haven't even mentioned that what, what a strange name Hevel Hakol Havel Hevel Havalim we just said Kohelet Hevel Havalim he's a nothing a nobody a, a vapor useless Hevel is a, is a nothing that name and names are important in the Bible. How many times have you heard me say it? Names are really, really important in the Bible. There's no name that's for nothing. And you know, now we're learning Masechet Megillah in the Gemara class. Esther's not even her real name. It's there to convey something, right? Her name was Hadassah. But in the Bible, she's known as Esther. Havel is not called Havel for nothing. He's called Havel for a reason. He's an, he is a nothing. Cain is the something. Hevel is such a nothing that he is the one who's born as a brother. And he doesn't even merit having a name given to him by his mother. The Bible just gives him that name. And he's the one who just also brought a korban. And he doesn't work the land. He doesn't work the land. He's a shepherd. You know, the person who works the land is important. What will we do without wheat, barley, without fruits and vegetables? I can live without lamb, but I can't live without fruits and vegetables and produce from the ground. Cain is the important one. Cain is the first one who brings a korban. Cain is the one who has a relationship with God. So what went wrong? What went wrong? And why is it that when he's punished, he's not punished for capital punishment, with a capital punishment? Why is he punished to be novanat? To the extent that God protects him. Seven generations worth of protection. Seven generations worth of protection is given to Cain. He's clearly not somebody who God wants to die. So what is going on there? So there is an alternative. Now, I have chosen the Nitziv. I would even go much further than the Nitziv, but I'm going to use, I'm going to use the Nitziv as the portal 
into a parallel story, one which you've never heard before, and one which opens up the entire story in a way that, you, that will stun you. It's an absolutely stunning exposition of this narrative in the Torah. Tuvia's going to be happy. <laughs> okay. I want to just ask a quick thing. Was, um, was Cain angry at God, or was he angry at his brother? So there are both possibilities. Mm -hmm. it's, there it's, are both possibilities. It's, it, it's vague. It could be that the anger was against one and the depression was against another. Oh. Don't, there's two emotions mentioned and both of them are re responded to by God. God says, don't be angry and don't be depressed. He says both. How strange is that? He doesn't say to him, calm down. He says, I know you're angry. Don't be angry. I know you're depressed. Cheer up. Okay, let's look at the Nitziv. Et achiv et hevel. Okay, so that's the first thing which we mentioned. The fact that when he was born, Vatosef Laledet, when Hevel was born, et Achiv, his brother, his brother. What does that tell you when it says his brother? That he must be quite important, et Havel. And, and what's the name of the brother? Nothing. Hevel is nothing. The brother is him, his brother. I mean, his whole claim to fame was that he's the brother of Cain. <laughs> Let's look at what the Nativ said. Et hachiv meyutar. Didn't need to say et hachiv. Vahachi mi boy. Could have said vatelet od et havel. It could have said, if you look at the Pasuk, vatelet od et havel. Vahi havel ro et son. Why does it say vatosef la ledet et achiv et havel? Vagam la shan et havel enemaduyak. Could have just said vatelet havel. What et havel? What does that, why does he have to say et havel? Right? Didn't need to say that. De mashma'o belikriat shem kach shema. So that what is it trying to tell you? That it's saying that he's, he wasn't even given a name. This was his name. His entire, um, his entire existence was totally predicated on the fact that he was the brother of Cain, and his name is Havel. He doesn't need a name because Havel isn't a name. It's like John Doe. Havel is John Doe. In fact, he is John Doe. We never hear anything about him other than that he's a shepherd and he brought a korban. But we know nothing more about him. He's John Doe. And I give the reason for this. We can dispute this reason, but it, it doesn't really matter what the reason is. Um, and this reason is a good one, but we could come up with our own. He says, Cain was the one who's dedicated, uh, most dedicated to working the land. And not only was he dedicated to working the land for himself, he was ready to look after his brother. In fact, his brother's existence was somewhat superfluous. Because this was a man who was going, to, he was going to be the patriarch of the whole family. He was the brother who's going to take care of everyone. The Pasuk is telling you that from these two people, from these two very first children of Adam and Chava, the entire concept of brotherliness, of brotherhood, the brotherhood of man, as John Lennon says, that was created um, through this relationship between Cain and Hevel. How? Because, because Cain was somebody who worked the land and was going to take care of the whole family. He created the concept of brotherhood. That one man can work for his brother. Charity, looking after your family, that has to have an origin in the Bible. This is the origin. This is the source, says the Nitziv. It was totally self-evident to Cain that if you're making money and if you're successful, and your brother isn't successful, that you must take care of your brother. If your brother is a Havel, if your brother is Hevel, you've got to take care of him. You don't just leave him to sleep on the street and starving. You've got to take care of him. 
ומודיע עוד הכתוב, כי גם הילד השני לא היה יושב בטל. Interestingly enough, the pasuk tells you it's not as if brother number two did nothing with his life, אלא היה מבקש מותרות על חיים הכרחיים. It's actually telling you something about his character. He wanted the luxuries of life, things that weren't necessary in life. מה שאין שום בריאה עושה כן, אלא מין אדם. The נציב has an incredible insight into human nature. No animal eats if it's not hungry. No animal adorns itself with jewelry. You know, we see all these fantastic displays when animals do the displays. It's only so they can have children. It's all part of a mating process. You don't see any animal adorning itself with jewelry or buying beautiful clothes or the only species on earth which does things which are not necessary to live its life are human beings and we're all guilty of it, right? We all do it. You can just get by by driving a car. I've got to drive a nice car. I've got to have the nice clothes, the branded stuff, right? That is a human trait. That was Hevel. And what does Shlomo HaMelech say? Hevel Havalim. He talks about the whole Kohelet is talking about Hevel Havalim. It's all Hevel. Maybe he's saying this entire concept of doing things which are not worth doing comes from the very beginning of the Bible. That word is connected to the word that we use for it, not the other way around. Maybe Hevel is the source in the Torah for the use of that word for useless things. Look at this. And this nature increases uselessness. There is absolutely no limit. This is an unlimited thing. Human nature has an unlimited desire for things it doesn't need. I've got, you know, I don't, I mean, I need one watch to tell the time. How many watches have I got? Ten. What do I need ten watches? I've only got one arm that I wear my watch on. I'm not going to wear ten watches up my arm. So why do I have so many watches? That's what the Nativ is saying. This desire to have things you don't need, that's a human design, there's no limit to it. Right? That's what it's talking about. He explains absolutely why he's called Hevel. Now, look, look why. Let's go into the next Ma'amar. Think about it. Who was born first? Who's born first? Cain. Who was born second? Hevel. So why does it start with Hevel? It should start with Cain. Surely Cain is the first one we're talking about. Cain was the Oved Adama. Hevel was the Roetzon, but it's, it's reversed. First we hear about the Roetzon, and then we hear about the Oved Adama. We don't need to know, says the Nativ, about what Cain was doing. The whole point of his birth, as Chava had said, was because we'd made a Kinyan on a useful person, an Ish. God gave me an ish. Somebody's going to take care of the world. The world has a future with Cain. The world has no future with Hebel. So, so what did he do? Why is he born? What did he do? Right? He's, the whole, his whole point on this, wor- on this world was to work the land so that he was going to provide uh, sustenance to the world around him. But we are a bit fascinated about what, what Hevel was doing. I mean, if he didn't really need to do anything, what was he doing? What was he doing? Things which were not strictly necessary for the future of humanity. He was producing, producing fashion goods. He's taking the wool and making nice clothes. And he's got milk he's creating. We don't need milk. You know, that it's, it's so funny that the Nitziv says it. He's, he probably wrote this in the 1880s. Today, they say that one of the unhealthiest things to eat is milk and dairy products. Um, uh, except for when you're a young child, 
any dairy product is unhealthy. I mean, I personally stopped eating cheese three years ago. I never put cheese in my mouth. I have a little bit of milk in my coffee. That's it. I never put dairy products in my mouth. The doctor warned me it's unhealthy to have milk products. You see the nativist saying this more than 100 years ago. You need milk. People like milk chocolate. Oh my gosh, right? Who doesn't like milk chocolate? I'm not going to eat dark chocolate. I need to eat milk chocolate. And I'm going to have a nice cheesy pizza with extra cheese, right? Triple cheese pizza. What do you need it for? I assure you, I, I often say it to my kids. I look at them eating, they're putting the pizza in their mouth. I say, do you really need it? Do you really need it? You don't need it. You don't need it. Hakol Havel. Havel was the first one to bring those type of unnecessary items into the world. Yes. Yes. Yes, David Amelech. Yeah, absolutely. So the nativity is going to address this. Okay. The nativity is going to address it, and I'm, I'm going to tell you how. I'm not even sure we're going to reach it. What's the time? Okay. Well, can we go another 15 minutes? We well, got another 15. So he he what he's trying to say is that the, the type of things that Hevel was working with were not of the, strictly necessary for the future of mankind. You need to work the land. Yes, it, you need those extra things. I agree with you. You need to have warmth, but you figlies, could... Uh, yeah, well, they were figlies. Or they could... Yeah, whatever, whatever it was. But the point is, I think the point, the more important point of the Nativ and of actually the Psukim, is that Cain was the useful person, not Hevel. Cain is the really useful one here. And everything about the Pesukim indicates that. He's the one that gets the special name. Hevel is not the special name. He is the one who works the land. We all know, anybody, I mean, whatever we're going to argue about David HaMelech and Moshe Rabbeinu, the bottom line is, we know that working the land is more important. What are we, essentially, as a people? What are we? We are an agrarian people, an agricultural people. Everything about the Torah. How many mitzvot do we have in the Torah to do with agriculture? Yes, we bring korbanot. But if you never bring a korban, I mean, that means you never did a sin, right? Or you could bring a korban mincha. You don't have to bring it. It's a whole concession. It's a whole concession to us that we can eat meat. We know it's a concession. You don't need to eat meat. It's a concession to the human desire to eat that kind of food. We don't need to eat it. And yet we do. You know that um, Rav Cook, they always say about him that he was a vegetarian. He wasn't actually a vegetarian because he was very makpid to eat chicken on Shabbat. Uh, he was also very concerned about the level of shechita um, in, uh, in the various places he lived in his life. But from Shabbat to Shabbat, he did not eat meat. He says, you don't need, the body does not eat meat, does not need meat. You can survive without meat. There's so many... Um, fruits and vegetables that you can have hmm? from Shabbos to Shabbos they don't eat but he's probably bases it on Rav Kook essentially what this what the Nitziv is bringing out here is that by the way Rav Kook was a Talmud of the Nitziv he learnt with him personally in Volozhin as a young boy he was I think 14 or 15 years old and the Nitziv said this, this boy's got great things ahead for him and he used to learn with him privately Anyway, the Kain, okay. Afagav Shira'at Hevel Mamtsi Kamata Nugebne Adam. Kain sees what Hevel's doing, that he's bringing all these um, luxury items for humanity. Nevertheless, he remains a uh, farmer. He's very happy to be farm the land. Cain remains true to his purpose. He remains a farmer. He doesn't need the luxuries of life. He works from morning until night just to create the things of necessity for humankind. And it's clear from the Pasuk that this differentiation existed um, and that Cain and Hevel, Hevel had different views, different opinions as to what it is that God wants. If, as Cain believed, that we should just live life according to our basic needs, 
או לראות בחיים מרווחים באשר הוא אדם בדת אנושי, or is it because humanity has greater intellect and, and a greater understanding of the world around them, and therefore they appreciate the finer things in life, that that's how one should um, be an Evet Hashem. We're not just animals. You know, if you feed a snake, I don't know if any of you have, have met people with pet snakes, you feed a snake once a week. You can put a live mouse in front of a snake that's eaten yesterday, it won't eat it, because it doesn't need it, it ate. It won't kill the mouse until it becomes hungry again. A week later, once it's fully digested the previous one, it will eat the next one. That's not human beings. You put human beings in front of good food, even if they don't need it, need it they'll eat it. is only seeking that exactly that it needs for its life. Each species according to its nature. And from this pasuk we learn, We understand that Kain, who is not an idiot, and like he didn't understand the world around him. It's not as if he doesn't understand what luxury means. Of course he knows what luxury means. And nevertheless, despite the fact that he knew what the luxuries of life were and how they would enhance his life, he knew that. He believed that the Ratzon Hashem was to do just that which you need to do and no more. The Hevel, Hevi Gamhu. So it's so interesting. Hevel, nevertheless, brought a Korban. Lashon gamhu meshamesh afiluhu. So we translated it before, he also brought it, like as an afterthought. It, no, it's saying afiluhu. Even he, you might have thought, the, the one who is busy with the luxuries of life, is not going to be interested in bringing a korban. What is it trying to teach us? Very important to understand this. It's not because Hevel was um, rejecting God. This was part of his service of God. You might have thought, if you are somebody who is an ascetic, you think that anybody who lives in luxury must be an idiot. Why would you, or a heretic, or I don't know what, you think that there's something wrong with them. They don't know how to worship God because they don't wear horsehair jackets, you know, with the horsehair on the inside. You don't have to be a Jesuit, Hevel is saying, in order to worship God. You don't have to deny the pleasures of life to yourself in order to be a servant of God. And that's why it says gamhu, afiluhu. Don't believe that only Cain's way is right. Hevel's way is also fine. Okay, listen. Listen to what it says. Think about it. Why would he have brought a korban if he didn't believe in the whole concept of doing things for God? How would he have, why do you bring a korban? Because you're asking God for success. How can you ask God for success if you think that what God demands of you is much less than what you're doing? In other words, if God wants you to be an ascetic and you want to have nice things, you're not going to bring a mincha to God because that, you're kind of rejecting God. You're rejecting God's way. He's saying, no, I'm not rejecting God. I believe God wants something different from me. I believe that God wants me to worship him. That he wants me to do stuff which is of greater value. And this whole concept is brought out, it's hinted at in a kind of flowery way. And it's, it's not brought out specifically in the Pesukim. But we can understand that even Hevel, and by the way, if you read Kohelet, as we all did, um, on Shabbat Chol Moed, you'll see that even Shlomo HaMelech says, I've tried everything. I don't want to say that it's useless, but it doesn't have any longevity. It's not, it doesn't have any long-term prospects. You can do fantastic stuff and enjoy it, and it's good, but don't believe in it in and of itself. That's what Shlomo HaMelech is telling you. So Hevel was dealing with Hevel stuff, but he also understood 
that Hevel stuff, if it's treated in the right way and brought out in the right way, can be a minchal Hashem. It can be used in the service of God. Now, God says, he says to Cain, Why are you angry? So Natsiv says it even more strongly than I would. He says, Cain, maybe you made a mistake. You thought that you have to be an ascetic. You just have to subsist on that which God provides. And that's enough. But my whole point was, when I took his minchai, that that's not, if, you, if I gave humanity um, a level of understanding that they know what luxury is, maybe I wanted that. Maybe you made the mistake. Yes, you're a great person. And it's fantastic to reject luxury and live an ascetic lifestyle. But don't become superior. Don't be patronizing about those who live in, um, in the luxury of life for the service of God, not for themselves. If they bring a minchal Hashem, says God, then suddenly understand that that Hevel has a purpose. And that the fact that you have the intellect and the understanding and the basis within yourself to know that if luxury is used for the sake of God, that it has purpose. And if you wear beautiful clothes on Shabbat, that doesn't say about you that you're an idiot, but it says that you appreciate what Shabbat is because your brain understands that nice clothes fit for a nice day, a special day. And you, you wear your farmer's clothes on Shabbat. I get it. I know why you're not wearing nice clothes on Shabbat. But you should know that wearing nice clothes on Shabbat has value because I gave you intellect. And the fact that in your intellect that you think that luxury is useless and therefore even though you like wearing nice clothes or you understand that people might like wearing nice clothes, you don't wear them on Shabbat, that was your mistake, not Hevel's mistake. Hevel did the right thing by treating those things as in the purpose that they have been created for, which is to enhance one's relationship with God. If those things in life, which one can use in the service of God, are used in the service of God and not for selfish reasons, and not just so that you should live a nice life. If when you go on a vacation, you try and go to Israel, then that's a good thing. If when you go on vacation, all you want to do is, you know, just do stuff which makes you happy. Is everything in your life focused on community, on Judaism, on educa Jewish education, on making sure that your children and grandchildren will understand the value of being the children of God and the servants of God? If that's the case, doesn't matter how much luxury you have. If that luxury is all in the service of God, that's why God created the intellect to understand what luxury means. That's what he's saying. On your mistake. It's not such a mistake. And why are you depressed? Now he says something else. You're not tied up to Hevel. And he is, uh, you know, enjoying life more than you. Not at all. There's two problems which Cain is having. First of all, this guy sponging off me and having a good time. And the whole point is, you're not meant to be here to have a good time. So he's angry about the fact that he's having a good time. And he's depressed at the fact that he's only able to have a good time because he's sponging off him. So those, both of those things, says God, they, you know, we take control. Melitza hmm? means he's telling him in a, in a nice way, in a fine way. Melitza is, is latterly used to say, is used as a um, flowery language, but it's not, not exactly what it means. Melitza means it's expressed in a way which is, you know, like Durachel Darche Noam, you know, that God speaks in a nice way. He doesn't want to give it over in a harsh way. So he's saying it to him in such a way, he's hinting it to him by expressing it to him in a way that's not going to be hurtful to him. He doesn't want to just um, uh, dismiss what he's saying. He says, In other words, telling him in such a way, he, he indicated to him in the nicest possible way that maybe he was wrong and Heba was right. Let's do one more ma'amar, and then we'll unfortunately not be able to finish the whole thing, but I think you get the flavor of what's going on. Haloim te'tif se'et, so that very strange pasuk. 
על העניין הראשון יתבאר, שהראה לו באמת תלוי לפי ערך האדם. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. This, the, the way he um, puts this pasuk together is just stunning. He says, there's two types of people in this world. You know, I once heard someone tell me that there's two types of people in this world. People who think there are two types of people and people who don't. <laughs> there's two types of people, that's what God is telling him. There's two types of people in this world. There's Cain's and there's Hevel's. And just because you're a Cain doesn't mean that Hevel's wrong. And just because you're a Hevel doesn't mean Cain's wrong either. There's room for two types of people. And the way that they conduct themselves. If it works for you, if it works for you to live an ascetic, subsistent lifestyle, that's the way you want to worship God. Absolutely good. If it works for you that you can live life without being concerned about all the luxuries that you could have but don't have, and you don't really want them, you're very happy to live in a small place and not have the nicest things and not have the best clothes, and, and, that, and you can serve God in the best possible way for yourself in that way and that works for you, Se'et, that's a wonderful thing. Um, and you shouldn't bother yourself then you really shouldn't be chasing after those luxuries that really don't do much for you you should leave the time open for yourself to do good because after all people who need to have those havalim work very hard to get those havalim and it doesn't leave much time to do anything else and time is the most valuable commodity of all. And if you could spend more time with your family or to do charitable work or do whatever it is, instead of having to work so hard in order to have the Havalim, which you're not even, by the way, going to enjoy because you're busy working to get them, then that's fine. I've got no problem, says God. Haval, continues the Pasuk. What an incredible insight into psychology. The Nitziv reading it into the Pasuk. He says, if on the other hand, you live an ascetic lifestyle, but actually you're envious of those who have good stuff, then it's waiting for you at the door, wherever you go, it's hovering over your head. See, that person has got this and the other person has got that. Yes, you live, you're trying to, you're trying to control yourself. I don't need anything, but that's not really what you're thinking. That's not what's going on in your mind. What's going on in your mind is he has got it and I don't. I'm better than him, but in, on the other hand, I wouldn't mind having what he had, but I'm not going to do it because I'm a better person. It's constantly there. It's an ever-present burden on your mind and on your heart. And that's what God is telling him. And it's going to lead you to sin. He said, because you'll have the extra time, which you're not going to use to get those things. And it's going to lead you to do bad stuff because you're going to fill up your time with who knows what. What, incredible, what, what do you think of that insight? It's such a fantastic, and it fits so beautifully into the Pasuk. If that's the case, God is telling him, you want to know why I took the Mincha of Hevel? Because if you're a person who needs stuff, Hevel's way is better. Don't try and be a Kayin if you're not really a Kayin. Only you should be an Hevel. If you're a Hevel, be a Hevel. If you're, one, if you're the other type of those two types of people, that's what you should be. Because he knows what he is. And he does seek those extra things in life. And that's what he uses his time for. And therefore, he doesn't have room to do the Averot. He's working hard to make sure he can provide for that which he knows. And he's doing it in the service of God. God is not talking about somebody who's just doing it for selfish reasons. I want to be the best servant of God I can be. 
And the way I know that my mind works, I'm gonna, I have to do it in the nicest possible way, because if I don't, I'm just going to be jealous of others. Nintza. Hera kadosh baruchu ledato. Ki be'emet du'u de'o shel kain yashar v'nochach. Yes, God is telling you, if it's true that the kain way is real for you, that's a wonderful way to be. Ella. Um, no. Shemikol makom. Naton. Natan e'alehem inyan rav el ha'adam kedei la'anot bo. He says, but God has given an alternative route for somebody who's not that way. He won't come to do sin. I'm just going to quickly go over the, the killing and then I'm going to, I'm going to stop because I've, I've well gone over my time. So the Pasuk says, to go back to the text, the Pasuk says, so the Nitziv, and I, I, I think I reproduced it here, but I'm not sure. Nitziv says that actually, Cain went, went to Hevel and wanted to discuss it with him. He wanted to actually go over it. And he's basically going over that which God has just told him. And that's why he's called Hevel Achiv. He's gone to him as a brother. But, and what happened is he says to him, listen, um, if you want to have the finer things of life, I, am not, I can't support you in that way. You're going to have to work. And he tried to train him in the work. That's why it says, And he ended up getting angry with him because he wasn't working the land as he was. And he hit him. Like a master hits his servant is the way that um, the Nitziv puts it. And as a result of which, he killed him. Maybe he didn't know his own strength. Maybe he wasn't expecting to kill him. But either way, he killed him. Well, if it's an accident, that's not a capital crime. What is the crime? Remember what Cecile said at the beginning. The crime is an accidental um, manslaughter for which in Jewish law you go to Irmiklat. You go become a wanderer. You no longer have your own land, your own territory. You have to be a wanderer. But that doesn't entitle somebody to kill you. Nobody's allowed to kill you. What happens if the Goyal Adam kills you and you're really meant to be in Irmiklat? or you, you are an Irmiklad, they themselves are liable. They become the murderer. So the whole chapter opens up in a completely different way. Cain and Hevel are having a dispute about how one should be a servant of God. In the service of God, should one be somebody who seeks to serve God in luxury or in penury? And should one be somebody who, even if one is minded to do it in the luxury way, one does it in the ascetic way. And this is whole, the whole thing is unlocked by what God says to Cain. If it works for you, great. But if it doesn't work for you, don't do it. And he's telling Hevel, if you're somebody who's relying on others, don't go for the luxuries in life. Because that's not fair either. If you're sponging off somebody else and you're living a life of luxury, that also doesn't work. And therefore, when he's saying to Cain, go and teach him how to work the land. And then if he wants to live in the luxury of life, he can. What happened was you have the first death at the hand of another human being. It was an accident. It was an accident of two brothers who had somehow reached this situation. Cain is trying to train Hevel. Hevel is trying to train Cain. It all went horribly wrong, but a quite a different understanding of this narrative than the one which we are familiar with. I'll leave it here for today.